This is Crohn's and Colitis Foundation Perspectives on ReachMD. The following episode is brought to you by the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and the American Gastroenterological Association. We're at the second annual Crohn's and Colitis Congress in Las Vegas to bring you key takeaways from the conference live. I'm Kelly Isaacson from Cedar sinai and here with me today is James Lewis from the University of Pennsylvania. Today, we're going to be bringing you highlights from the nutrition session. So, Dr. Lewis, let's start with what you thought the key takeaways were from today's session. Thanks, Kelly. I thought there were really several important messages for clinicians. Probably the first one is that we need to be cognizant that many of our patients may be undernourished, and we have to remember to keep checking regularly to make sure that they have adequate nutrition. In addition, For selected patients, particularly those who had surgery, we need to be looking for micronutrient deficiencies, things like B12 in particular. On the other side of the coin, there was a lot of time spent focusing on what diets might be effective therapies. It seems quite clear at this point in time that exclusive enteral nutrition is particularly effective in children, less clear uh, how effective it is in adults, perhaps due to more difficulty with adhering to the diet. Right, the adults just don't want to finish the internal nutrition trial. Exactly. Um, and then there was a lot of discussion about new exclusion diets that are being developed. Uh, for example, there was a fair amount of discussion about the CD treat study that was done. So this is the concept of trying to reverse engineer regular food to make it have the same effects as exclusive enteral nutrition. All very exciting when you think about the potential of having the ability to consume whole food and achieve the same outcomes that have been seen with exclusive enteral nutrition. Very interesting. So how do you think um, clinicians can implement what they learned today from the nutrition therapy session into their IBD clinical practice? Well, there certainly are several ways that they could use what we discussed today. The first and foremost is to take advantage of the many available screening tools that can be used to look for undernutrition or malnutrition, and to remember to take advantage of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation's uh, nutrition pathway. The second is to think about who's the right patient for nutrition as therapy. Uh, Selecting the right patient is essential. It's a big commitment on the heart of the patient and the patient's family. And so planning on who to offer this to, how to offer it to them, I think is important as well. A third takeaway is that if you're going to go down the route of exclusive enteral nutrition, you shouldn't be scared away thinking you have to have the special formula. Essentially, any oral nutritional supplement has been shown to be equally effective. So even what you can get at the grocery store without a prescription is likely to be equally effective. And then lastly, and perhaps most importantly, we shouldn't forget what we've learned about medical therapy in general. You start a therapy, whether it's a nutrition therapy or a medication or even surgery, and then after a period of time, you have to reassess and see how the patient's doing. You can't just assume they went on it and all is good. Patients should understand going in. If this works, 
fantastic, but if it doesn't work, we're going to have to move on to some other therapy. Those are great takeaways. Um, Jim, is there anything else you want to add? Um, any other clinical pearls you'd like to share? I think one thing to remember is that we as gastroenterologists can't do this by ourselves. So for example, if you have a patient that has significant malnutrition, you should take advantage of other healthcare professionals such as registered dietitians to help in this process. Similarly, if you're going to try and use an exclusive animal nutrition or a restriction diet as a, as a main therapy, these are very challenging. And again, a registered dietitian can help the patient uh, through many different ways, giving them guidance on how to do this as well as you know, sort of being a counselor, etc. And I just think that um, it's important to remember we can't do this by ourselves as gastroenterologists. Right. Um, yeah, that's a great point because um, like medical therapy doesn't work in every patient, diet therapy also doesn't work in every patient. And some of those diet therapies can be quite challenging to implement. So it's good to have a multidisciplinary team um, on your side to monitor you and make sure you're still on the right path. Um, well, so those were some of the insights gleaned today from the nutrition therapy sessions at the 2019 Crohn's and Colitis Congress. I'm Kelly Isaacson, and uh, I'd like to thank James Lewis for joining me today to help me, um, you know, uh, highlight some of the, the key takeaways. Um, and I'd like to thank our audience uh, as well. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Crohn's and Colitis Foundation Perspectives. To access other episodes of this series, visit ReachMD.com foundation, where you can be part of the knowledge.